Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Alex Candy Podcast, brought to you by BasketballNews.com. This is episode number 50, and today I'm joined by a special guest. He has trained Trey Young, Tyrese Maxey, Victor Wembanyama, and many others. He is also the Director of Basketball Relations for Way of Wade. My guest is Tim Martin, one of the best NBA trainers in the business. Tim, thanks for joining me. How are you? Man, I'm doing great, man. It's just been a great day so far. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. You know, crazy day in the NBA. Right before we started recording, the uh, Donovan Mitchell blockbuster goes down. So Donovan Mitchell to Cleveland. We were talking about it just a second ago. Uh, but what are your, some of your thoughts on that trade? And what could the Cavs look like this upcoming season? Well, you know, it, one, it, it, it shocked me. Um, you know, Donovan Mitchell's pound for pound, obviously a top five scoring guard in the league. So anytime that, that blockbuster trade happens, you know, it's kind of a shocking, especially you know, when he's going to Cleveland. So, I mean, that backcourt with him and, and Darius Garland is just going to be just prolific. They got obviously a great coaching staff, great development staff. Um, and I think, you know, they squeezed in, I think, if I'm not mistaken, to the buy-in of the playoffs last year. Yep, play-in tournament. Um, so, yeah, the play-in tournament. Uh, so, man, that's going to be scary, especially being in the East, you know, um, watching those guys just compete. Uh, it's it's going to be exciting. And and that's that's what's cool, too, even for the Jazz, you know, just kind of going through that rebuilding process with Will Hardy as the head coach now and um, trying to go young, obviously, with the experience of Danny Ainge and stuff. So it's just I like moves like this, man, especially in the summertime, you know, before my Dallas Cowboys get to playing. Um, <laughs> that's a whole nother conversation. But no, it's, it's going to be good for, I think, both teams uh, long term. Okay, I have to I have to pause right there. I'm a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, so uh, mm. week one we need to have a bet or something going on here because week one your yeah. Cowboys, my Bucks. Uh, <laughs> you know, I didn't realize I was talking to a Cowboys fan. Hey, if if anybody knows me and follows my tweets, you know, I'm um I actually got kicked off of Twitter. You know, I, I don't be cursing or nothing like that. It's just you know when it comes to the Cowboys, man, I, I think I need to just sign up for therapy because <laughs> it's just we can't make anything easy. You know, and Tyron Smith just went down our left Ugh, tackle. Yeah. And I don't want to say anything bad about the Bucs because if, if it gets to Tom Brady, he's just adding more fuel to the fire. <laughs> so I'm uh, I'm going to just be quiet on that one. 
No, I get that. I get that. Um, it's funny because uh, we were talking about before we started here, a lot of teams, you know, Utah now has a young core, seven first round picks coming in, uh, three pick swaps. You have teams like San Antonio. A lot of teams are, are going young. And this is a really interesting draft class to do that in because you have Victor Wembanyama, someone that you've worked with. There's obviously a ton of hype surrounding Victor. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, what you've seen from him firsthand and just what do you think of his game and potential? Well, what I always look at, you know, for me as a developer, um, I just I, I love his character. I love his 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 mindset, his approach. Um, he's he's obviously been a pro since what fifteen, um, and has been playing at a high level. But just how he conducts himself on and off the court is just really um, special. And you know, as a player, uh, he's he's phenomenal. I mean, his ability to be able to retain information. Um, be able to pick up on on things um, at at 18 years old is is really amazing. And you know, I've worked with a lot of guys from high school all the way to the NBA, watch them become all stars or whatnot. And he he definitely fits the script in terms of his his potential. Not just so much from a skill set standpoint. Um, I know he's he's definitely developing in, in every area. You know, being able to stretch and shoot the three to. Um, you know, get to the rim, be able to play, make, play, make, you know, with the ball in his hands and, and distribute. So it's, it's going to be really scary um, over the next few years to watch his development. But in terms of the overall person, I think he's just, he's just one of the top tier people I've ever been around. Yeah, I was going to ask that. I know you started working with Trey Young when he was a kid, basically, you know, 12, 13 mm -hmm. years old, worked with him all throughout high school. And then, you know, obviously we've seen what he's become now working with Victor. There have been a lot of guys that you've worked with from a young age. What are some of those qualities that those guys have that you kind of look for to see if a player is going to be special? Like, what are some things what are some things that Trey has that you see in other players that, you know, you know, OK, this guy has a ton of potential, could become a superstar in the NBA? Um, I, I think. Uh right off the bat, just their level of curiosity. You know, I've, I've learned that, you know, even with a guy like Tyrese Maxey, for example, or, or Trey, um, you know, when you're in the gym with them at a young age, they're, they're just curious about learning more and, and seeking knowledge and, and all the little nuances and, and things that could really enhance them um, to become a consistent player. You know what I mean? They're when, when they are in the gym, it's, it's very uh, cool to see, you know, when they're asking questions and then you see them in a game the very next day and they're able to apply that information that was shared. So I think just being a quick learner is something that I know I, I look for and I, it helps me kind of scale the, the player's potential overall because, you know, most guys, especially at a young age, man, they come into the gym and, you know, they're just wanting to work out. But then there's other guys that when they come into the gym, they want to develop. And so there's a huge difference in, in between just working out and developing. And the guys like the Trey Youngs, Tyrese Maxey's, or even Victor, um, they do a great job of, of being students of the game. Very studious individuals, not just about basketball, but pretty much everything that they do. They want to know the whys, the hows, the wins, you know, all that kind of stuff. So Trey's obviously pretty small now. How tall was he? Like, what was his size whenever you started working out with him when he was a kid? Um, you know, he, he's never really been obviously big, big, you know, I, I think they got him listed at what, six, two, maybe close yeah. to six, three, but, um, you know, middle school, high school, you know, he was in that growth stage, just like most guys, you know, so, 
you know, when 5'10", 5'11", 6 foot, it didn't really matter for him just because of, again, his approach was always locked in, laser focused, whether it's a workout, whether it's a shooting drill with, with you know, his little brother or his dad. You know, Trey always had that approach to where he, he had that chip on his shoulder and wanted to go out there and compete, not just play basketball, but actually compete. I saw in a different interview, you said that you think Trey Young could be a Hall of Fame player. That That's the trajectory that he's on. Uh, when you look at just how he's continued to develop in the NBA and kind of what he's done already at, at a young age, uh, what are your thoughts on just his long-term potential? And, and do you still feel like he could be this Hall of Fame player? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I don't, I don't just throw compliments out there like that or try to make bold statements like that. But, you know, even with with me taking my biased opinion out. I mean, if you just look at the history of, of hall of famers, you know, and you try to scale their, their careers, what makes Trey so valuable and unique is his ability to make everybody around him better. You know, he's, he's obviously in college, led the country in scoring and assists, you know, same thing here in the NBA, you know, have top 10 in, in scoring and assists in the NBA. So regardless of size or whatever people may say that he lacks, um, he's a durable player. And he's he's proven that thus far um, in his career and his willingness to continue to get better. You know, he's not satisfied, nor does he care about, you know, he doesn't play for the money. He doesn't play for the, the accolades. He really just cares about winning and, you know, competing. So I think that's what's always going to be who he is. And because of that, you know, that's that's where I expect to see him uh, one day. Yeah, I got a chance to spend some time with him this offseason uh, in Seattle when he was at the crossover tournament, uh, the program out there with him and DeJounte Murray. I think they're going to be a ton of fun to watch this year. You know, they're going to be a great one-two punch. Uh, but I'm glad you mentioned Tyrese Maxey because I'm a huge fan of his game. I think he's on the verge of breaking out and becoming a star player. You know, 21 years old. We've already seen he's had some incredible games and he just seems like, you know, he has so much upside going forward. Um, what are the main things that he's been focused on as he tries to make that next leap and really that next step of his development? What are some of the things that he's uh, focusing on, uh, you know, recently? Um, I, I think obviously, you know, um, outside of him just staying in the gym, just being consistent in other areas, especially when it comes to shooting and, and being a little bit more precise on his passing. Um, you know, I know, Last year, he obviously made an incredible jump from his yeah. rookie season. And I think moving forward, you know, his his goal this upcoming season is to be an all-star. But he does understand that you have to be consistent, not just on the offensive side, but defensively. That's something that he's been very adamant about, about, you know, coming in the training camp in, in great condition and making sure that he's being vocal um, on both sides of the floor and just really – evolving into becoming um, a, a veteran in this league and be, playing alongside of Joel Embiid and, and James Harden. You know, it, and obviously last year they didn't play a whole season together, but this year it's it's him really identifying his role amongst those other stars. But then more importantly, um, you know, being consistent to where, whether they need him to score, whether they need him to play make, whether they need him to shut, you know, the opposing team's best player down he's able to step right in and be consistent in all those areas. 
I saw a quote where Tyree said that you're like family at this point and that he can talk to you about anything. Can you speak to the relationships that you form with your clients and how they go beyond basketball? Yeah, man. I mean, I I got into this business um, because I wish I had somebody like myself for when I was playing. You know, when I was coming up, I graduated high school in uh, 2005. So, you know, we was coming out the, the VHS days and there was no such thing as, as training. That wasn't even an industry. I think Tim Grover uh, at that time was like the only actual trainer, you know, that you heard about. And so as this as this business kind of blossomed, you know, I had opportunities back in 07, 08 to work with guys like Josh Howard and Devin Harris from, from the Dallas Mavericks finals team and um, just learned a lot early on. But I think the most important thing for me was to be uh, sincere and to honestly just be truthful. You know, a lot of these kids, they, and you see it, man, now, nowadays, you know, in high school, they're, they're getting so much media attention. Yeah. They're getting, you know, it's just a lot's coming out of them. And so I always try to bring the human element, you know, and let them feel comfortable about just being a person, a human being first. You're not a celebrity. You're not this, you're not that. You're just who you are. And, and I think that goes a long way with them. Um, feeling comfortable with myself and vice versa, because we could open up and share some things that are, are a little personal, you know, but as we all evolve and grow as, as individuals um, on and off the court, I think that's what kind of just builds that bond even even tighter over time. You mentioned your own journey. Uh, I read that you went to 11 schools in 12 years that you and your mom were constantly moving. How would you describe your upbringing and how it shaped you as a person? Man, my my rough, uh, or excuse me, my my upbringing was was rough. Um, you know, I'm I'm black and white, so my mom's white. You know, I grew up um, with my other two brothers, and so just naturally, you know, growing up, I was the black sheep of the family, and so there was a lot of things that I had to deal with with discrimination. Um, never really feeling like I ever fit in, uh, fit in anywhere, mm. and I think that's what kind of drew me to basketball is because, you know, during recess or, you know, every six months I'm going to a new school and not just in, in Texas, but we're traveling to living in Colorado, um, New Mexico, Arizona, California. And I've lived like on a, on a Navajo reservation, um, living in RVs, you know, in, in farms in rural uh, places that the population was like 800 people. And so it's been a really dynamic, uh, upbringing, but I want to trade it for the world because it, it allowed me to deal with so many different cultures, people of different religions and so forth. And I think that helped me obviously in, you know, fast forward to today, um, understanding people and, and know how to connect with people. And I, I feel like that's just been a gift that God's blessed me with um, through that experience. And then you went the junior college route and then had an injury that ended your career. But at what point did you know that you wanted to be a trainer? You mentioned working with Josh Howard and and Devin Harris. At what point did that you kind of make that switch from, okay, let me transition from playing to training guys? Well, I I think, you know, I I finished high school in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, um, at Rio Rancho High School. Actually, where they, I don't know if you know that TV show, um, Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah. Such a good show. Yeah, man, it's classic. So that that was actually the, the school that they filmed it at, where he. Was oh wow! Awesome. Yeah, that was that was my old high school. But um, yeah, that my nickname was Coach. <laughs> mm. So you know, I was the guy 
in the middle of practice, if, if somebody wasn't setting the screen properly or whatnot, you know, I would I would stop practice, tell them, hey, man, we got to focus on the details and do it like this. Um, so I kind of knew early on I, I loved coaching. I initially wanted to be a history teacher. Um, but, you know, when I didn't get my ACTs and I went JUCO, blew out my ankle, I was just like, man, let me just get into coaching. And so I just I moved back to Dallas when I met my dad um, at 18. I met him, saw that side of the family. And one of my cousins actually um, played at the JUCO I played at. We, we met. We didn't even know we were cousins. And he wow. was actually, yeah, he was training out here. So he played at, at Central Arkansas. Um, played with like AC Law, was in that backcourt at Kimball High School out here in Dallas. And he was training. And this is kind of the, you know, oh, back in 07, 08. And, uh, you know, I came with him to a couple of his workout sessions. Uh, you know, he worked some kids out for about an hour. Uh, they gave him like $40 a piece. And I was like, hold on. Wait a minute. You just made like 160 bucks in an hour. He's like, yeah, this is all I do every day. And I was like, man. I, and I kind of just took that idea, you know, and he, he molded me and, and taught me some things. And it just kind of, you know, created its own business from there. And, and that's how I kind of got started. This podcast is brought to you by Branded Bills, the best place online for premium headwear and apparel. Branded Bills has hundreds of designs available, including their popular state collection, where you can show your pride with hats, shirts, hoodies, and more for all 50 states. Are you a company looking to brand your business? Branded Bills also offers custom apparel options that can meet your brand standards with fast turnaround and shipping. To shop or learn more, visit brandedbills.com today. That's brandedbills.com. So early on, you were training, you know, kids. Uh, it wasn't just, you know, you jump right in and start training NBA players. I know you were volunteering at some of their camps and stuff, but you started training kids. And I, I think that's one thing that now people who want to be a trainer, they don't realize, you know, you don't just jump in right away and you're training NBA all-stars. You know, you, you kind of have to grind and work your way up. And, and then eventually you can get to the point where you're training NBA guys. Uh, for people that maybe want to become a trainer, what advice would you give them? And, and what would you tell them about that journey that they have to go on? Yeah, man. I would say the first thing: don't look at at, at, at kids or players as, as dollar signs. You know, I know everybody. At least now, from what I've seen, you know, everybody wants the the attention. You know, through social media. You know, when you're you're training a a, a professional athlete or whatever, and I, I mean, I get it. We all have to promote our brand and our our expertise, but you know, you have to care. You have to genuinely care whether it's a, a first grader or a pro. You gotta you gotta go about it the same way with everyone, you know, because the money will come, the attention that whatever you want in terms of you know more likes or followers, all that'll come. But you have to really care and have a genuine purpose and, and enthusiasm about getting other players better. That's got to be your priority from the beginning to the end, because if you do that. You're going to be able to create longevity in this business. You know, I've seen so many trainers, they come in and they, you know, they're, they're not in it for the right reasons, I should say. And they're just trying to turn it into like a quick hustle where they can get some money or, or just whatever. And they just don't last long because especially this newer generation coming up, these kids are smart, very intelligent. And, you know, they'll be able to read in between the lines on what your motive is. So if you're an up and coming trainer trying to get into this business, focus on one client at a time, putting all your energy into it. And that word of mouth 
you know, it'll, it'll definitely spread because, you know, your name is all you got at the end of the day. So 100%. Yeah. I feel like now with social media, more and more people know that this is a career path. And, uh, you know, there's tons of people on, on social media. You can see them training pe- players and um, they're doing some wild drills. And <laughs> I know there's a lot of that has popped up too, where people that maybe don't know what they're doing have kind of uh, been able to make some money off people uh, and parents by, you know, training kids and, and doing some crazy drills. Um, do you think, have you noticed more and more people want to go down this career path now because of social media? Like I, I to your point, uh, there wasn't really, uh, a training environment back in the day. Now you have people like yourself, Drew Hanlon, you know, where you guys are, are notable figures in the basketball world. So, you know, more and more people are kind of seeing this as a career path that, uh, is very interesting. Have, do you think there's more interest now than ever before in becoming a trainer? Yeah, man. I mean, just in Dallas, Texas alone, I think there's like 45,000 trainers. Wow. <laughs> you know? And I, and I'm being facetious on that, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, if you really look at the demographics too, like, I mean, for example, like if you're a trainer in New York, access to gym space is just, is, is very minute. It's, it's extremely difficult to just get gym access and to actually run a training business. You know what I mean? Um, as opposed to here in Dallas, where we have like, you know, all these state of the art facilities, you know, every eight to 10 miles across the city, you know, so gym access is a little bit different uh, for us out here. But yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely um, getting saturated, uh, just populated, I should say, in, in the, the basketball space, because really anybody could do it. And I think basketball is really the only sport that you see so many trainers as opposed to golf, baseball. Um, and I could be wrong on that. You know, maybe I need to follow, follow some more. I think you're right. And stuff. But yeah, basketball training is kind of just surpassed even football and all the, any of the training industries. Yeah. It's interesting. I see way more basketball training than like football or any other, any other sport. I think you're, you're definitely right on that. Um, and I think social media is a big part of that. Like a lot of people see the social media drills and they're like, Oh, I can take drills from other people, put players through that and get paid money to do it. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's definitely something that's been happening. Um, what is the hardest part of being a trainer and getting to the point where you're at now? You know, what's the most difficult part for people that maybe don't know what your journey has entailed? Well, I mean, me, me personally, man, you know, I've, I've dealt with homelessness. Um, even with my, my son, when, when he was real young, you know, we sleeping in the backseat of the car you know, shelters, rundown motels, all that kind of stuff. So I think, you know, everybody's experience is going to be different. Um, and for me, I didn't have a plan B. I just I just told myself that this was going to work just because the things that I value, you know, being able to create my own schedule every day, being able to be meet new people every day um, and have control over that is kind of what I love doing uh, or why I love doing basketball training, but I think for everybody, it's going to be a little different. And, you know, when you're in this business, one of the coolest things I think is just the relationships that you get to develop. And I'm not even talking about the NBA guys. I'm, it's more so about, you know, the people that have helped me get out of my situation, out of my hardships with homelessness, with some of these parents hmm. that have become lifelong friends from the beginning that, have you know, helped me they've co-signed to help me get in the apartment that I needed. They helped me, um, you know, financially in, in 
in certain things. I mean, I remember when my lights was off, you know, uh, a few times <laughs> I had a couple of parents come to my rescue, you know, and then also teaching me about a business model and teaching me things about being a better parent. So I think that's really if the, the, the blessing in all of this um, as a basketball trainer is, is the ability to be able to connect, learn and um, experience and create memories with these with these great people. That's incredible. Yeah. Your story is so inspirational because you were, what, 23, 24 years old. I had read that you were homeless for six or seven months sleeping in your car. Um, you know, that's that's incredible. The parents helped you kind of out of that period of your life. Um, so who were you training at that time? Were you mostly training kids and, you know, like youth teams? Like well, at that point in your life, what were you doing as a trainer? Yeah, it was a little bit of uh, a little bit of both. You know, I was I was coaching a uh, fifth grade team. Um, actually two teams. It was a fifth grade and a fourth grade team. Um, I was working with um, some of the players, like I said, Josh Howard, Devin Harris, um, Trevor Booker. Um, but even, you know, during that time too, man, I was, I wasn't business savvy, you know, mm. pretty much up until I say, you know, closer to my thirties that I really started getting an understanding of how business is as opposed to just knowing a lot about basketball. So I wasn't, even though I'm working with these pros, it's not like I was charging a lot. You know what I mean? I was, I was really just trying to do it to gain the experience. Um, and so it, it was, I was making a little bit of money, but nothing to actually, like I said, go out and get the apartments and the cars and be self-sufficient. Um, but it took time and I, I learned how to manage my money better. I learned how to actually, you know, create some sort of a, a, a pricing structure for players or teams that I was coaching. And, you know, it, it helped me kind of organize my overall business and, and propelled me to get to this point where I'm at today. Yeah. That's the reason, the reason I ask is because it's kind of crazy to think you're homeless sleeping in your car. And then you were training some guys that, you know, were making millions of dollars, like, you know, and they probably had no idea, you know, the struggle that you were going through. I, I read in the article, you said that, you know, your pride kind of didn't let you ask for help and let other people know what was going on. So that's wild to think that you're training some of the top players in the world that are making millions of dollars. And then, you know, after the workout, you're going to shower at a YMCA and sleep in your car. Like that, that's wild. I don't think people understand how crazy your journey's been. Yeah, man. It, it was, it was very emotional. I mean, I damn near cried every night. Yeah. But, you know, it, it just goes back to to my personal faith, man. And it wasn't even, I, I'm not even sitting here saying that I, I had belief in myself because I didn't. There's a lot of insecurities I was dealing with. I think I was an emotional wreck just because, you know, I, I remember being in the backseat of my car and just having that feeling of like, damn, I, I can't even provide for my son. You know, as a man, we're wired to to provide for our loved ones or at least provide for ourselves. And so you feel less than you, you feel like you're not good enough. You feel like all these different things, but I felt like I needed to, to go through that and grow through those experiences because I never wanted to put my burden on anybody else. Um, which I, I know for a fact that if I was to ever ask one of those players for help right. or whatever the case is, they, they would have definitely done it if, if people knew my situation, but um you know, I was a little hard-headed at times and I didn't want to, I was embarrassed too, you know, more importantly. And I think I needed to, I had to find a way out of that situation and I was willing to do whatever it took to work my butt off, to learn the lessons, you know, the valuable lessons. Um, and that's what gave me the longevity. Because that's another thing, man. 
a lot of people, and we talk about this uh, in this in this society about you know the the microwave of an instant success thing, and the the struggle is where the knowledge and all the the good stuff is at. You know what I mean? Even for yourself, like to get to yeah. this point in your career, dude. I already know. I can only imagine you've you've experienced a lot of hardships just to get to this point in your career. You know, so but it's it's become valuable. That's why you're able to sustain your business and, and continue to improve. So, yeah, I think that's important for people to to know. Yeah, man. I mean, again, very inspirational story. And props to you. I mean, people will just look at where you're at right now in your career, and like it's impressive enough just with all the players you trained you know, all the things that you've been able to accomplish, but to know your background and not only like from your upbringing, but also just the the hardships that you went through. I mean, it makes it even more impressive. So I think a lot of people can be inspired by your story and, you know, for being outspoken about it too, like sharing this stuff, I think that's really, really cool because, you know, people will go through this stuff and they don't really have anyone that they can look to as, oh, this person went through the same things I did and, you know, look where they are now. I think it's really cool that you, that you share this stuff and you're open about it. Yeah, man. Nice. It's Cause it's life, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, we can sit here and act like we all got it together, man. We don't. Even for me to this day, I still struggle with a lot. You know, my family, we suffer with chronic depression. Um, I've had family members, you know, actually deal with suicide and stuff. And so, you know, being an open book, I think it's important uh, because my testimonial obviously could help somebody, but we all have stories. We have stories of pain, stories of struggles, stories of uh, triumph of success. And I think that's the main reason why we're all here on this earth is, is to spiritually grow, but to just, you know, go through things, learn through things and then share information like we're sharing today. That that's what this is about. It, it's, it's about connecting. You know, it's not about me acting like I'm this or I'm that. Yeah. Bro, I'm, I'm learning just like you and everybody else listening to this. It's we're all trying to figure it out, taking it day by day. So it's just, it's just real real life stuff that we, um, we go through. Yeah. I love it. I feel like today, especially like with social media, people just want to put the positives and like the, the highlights of their life up. And then people don't really talk about the low points and when they were struggling. So I totally agree with you. I've, I've talked a lot in this podcast about, you know, health issues that I've had and ups and downs and, and all that. Like, I think that's important versus just, you know, putting out the positives and acting like everything's always perfect. Uh, so I, I love that, you know, you're open about that. So last question on this, before we kind of move on, I, I know you mentioned the parents really helped you and helped with when your lights were out and, and helped you kind of out of the situation and taught you about being more, you know, business savvy. Um, what was the, you know, how did you kind of come out of that period? Uh, you mentioned the parents, but what was that like kind of uh, after seven months, whenever you, you know, were able to find a home and stuff like that. What was that period like? And how did you kind of come out of that? Well, it was actually more so about three, three years. So, you know, the six, seven month uh, part was, was me literally just not having anything but two trash bags, you know, and I was in my car. And after a few months, my car actually got a bit, uh, uh, repossessed. Oh, and so at that time, I just had the two trash bags and the money I was making from training. You know, I was going to this little rundown motel and uh, a friend of mine, um, one of the days I actually the day I didn't have any money to stay at the motel. I had my two trash bags and I was walking down the, the street and he uh, just left, I guess, the bank and he was just driving and he saw me. And so he pulled over and he picked me up and he was like man, what are you doing with these trash bags? You throwing away some trash? And I was like, no, nah, this is 
these are my clothes and shoes. And I just told him my situation uh, and he just offered, you know, to allow me to stay at his his apartment. And so um, the apartment that he had, he had a, a roommate, um, which became a good friend of mine. But I stayed on his little loveseat couch for two years. And each and every time I could, you know, uh, I would go see my son, you know, who was staying with his mom at the time. And we would kind of um, do the best we could to take care of him. But. Yeah, it was it was rough, man, like sleeping on. And that's why I still got back problems. So people be making fun of how I run and stuff. But bro, when you sleeping on a little musty old brown <laughs> loveseat yeah. couch for two years, I mean, it, it's it's tough. And and again, I'm, I was just grateful to have at least a place to stay where I didn't have to worry about that and just kind of be able to focus on the next step, which, um, you know, I had to save my money had to try to get my credit right because obviously the repossession, the eviction, um, a couple years prior to that, I mean, it was just like one thing after another. So uh, it, it took a while to get back on my feet. Man, that's crazy. So now, I mean, given everything you've been through, the success that you're having now, does that make you appreciate that more because you have been in those, you know, low points? Like how, how do you, now that, you know, you're, you're thriving and again, training NBA all-stars and, you know, you, you work with way of Wade. that company, you know, you have a bunch of things that are going well for you. Now you travel the world. Like, does that make you appreciate that more? Oh, dude, it's, it's everything. Like there's not a day that goes by where I wake up and I'm not just grateful, you know, yeah. because it's, it's weird. I'm 35 now and it, it feels like I've lived like 15 different lives, you know, from my childhood to where I'm at today. And I think this, this part of my life, what makes it really cool, to be honest, is that even though, you know, obviously financially, you know, everything's just better in my life at this point, but I'm able to give more. That's the cool thing because, you know, I've, I've had a lot of success. Like I said, I've had guys from high school to the NBA, check that off. I've made as much money as I wanted, check that off. I've done all these things that I've wanted to do, travel the world, check. But to, to continue to now help the masses, to share information, to, you know what I'm saying, go to like Africa and, and really help these kids in any way I can or just, you know, any, any way. Is, that's the best part of this because it's like, dang, man, like I'm really, I feel like I'm living my purpose. And yeah. it, a lot of people go through this world, man, you know, and, and end up in the grave without never really being able to experience their purpose or ever find their purpose in life. And so that's what makes it all worth it to me is like, you know, it's not about me. It's about now we could really help even more people. So that's incredible, man. I love it. That, that's really awesome. Um, last question for you. I'm curious. Uh, I mentioned way of Wade. Um, you're the director of basketball relations. Uh, that's Dwayne Wade sneaker company. Uh, how did you get involved with way of Wade? And so uh, back in 2016, 2015, 2016, uh, I was going out there with uh, a good friend of mine, Tyler Ralph, who's another trainer. Um, he yeah. was doing some some basketball camps out there. And, um, you know, I went out there a few times with him and we uh, was actually doing some some camps for uh, Leaning, which is the shoe company out there in like Beijing, a few other places. And at the time, they needed a uh, a new service rep for some of their players. And, um, you know, with Dwayne Wade, he needed his primary service rep. This is when he was playing in Cleveland. Um, 
a good buddy of mine was actually working at the agency uh, at CAA, which is Dwayne Wade's agency. Um, and working at the camps at Leaning, you know, they obviously knew me as well. And it was just kind of like a, a brief introduction. And I was like, hey, I'll, I'll, if there's an opportunity, I'll take it. And so, you know, fast forward, fly up to Chicago, meet Dwayne Wade and, and his team, um, did an interview and, you know, kind of just took it from there. And so I think just being around prior to that, working with Josh Howard um, at that time, you know, he was with Team Jordan, with the Jordan brand mm. back in the day. And so just kind of being behind the scenes, listening to a lot of conversations, um, working at his camps, you know, so seeing how the Jordan brand would donate T-shirts, basketballs for the kids, just kind of being in that group. I think it allowed me to, to learn how players are being managed and how the relationships are, are being managed. And so that kind of with D-Wade in the capacity that I, I was very familiar with the NBA players, how to handle their off-brands and stuff like that. So it's going on, what, year five, almost year six now. Um, been working with them. That's awesome, man. I love it. Thanks to Yerbe for sponsoring this episode. Yerbe is a naturally caffeinated energy drink that's made exclusively with recognizable plant-based ingredients. There's no sugar, calories, or sucralose, so you can feel great about what you're drinking. Get the energy you need without the jitters or crash. Check out yerbe.com for 10% off. That's yerbe.com for 10% off. Well, I appreciate what? you taking time to join me. This has been so cool. I mean, again, your story is so inspirational and it's awesome to see this, the success that you're having now, you know, whether it's the way of weight stuff or all the players training. So I appreciate your time, man. No, hey, thank you so much. I, I love, I've been a big, big fan of you for a long time, man. You've always give back, um, gave great insight, you know, I, and I could tell you've always cared about the information that you're sharing um, to, to the masses. And so it's just cool that we're able to connect and, and every, <clears throat> obviously be able to do your podcast, man. It's it's uh, definitely humbling. So thanks, man. Yeah. No, that really means a lot. Yeah, it was great to meet you out at uh, the Pro Scout School, Pro Trainer School. Uh, you know, I was there kind of I'm doing a big article on the Pro Trainer School. So I spent some time out there and I got to hear your, you know, your speech basically to all the students. And I thought it was really insightful and, and awesome. And I'm a big fan of what you do, too. So, yeah, appreciate you taking time, man. And hopefully your Cowboys lose week one, but go 16 and one after that. Uh, oh, you know, that's man. the best well, I can offer. Uh, everything was going <laughs> great, man. You know, Monday, y'all going to. If you follow, you know, follow me on Twitter, Tim Martin underscore TX. If you want to see me just kind of go off the grid for a little bit and just lose my mind. So, you know, it's just as long as we tackle, if we could just tackle, I'll be all right. You know, but we 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 put ourselves in these deep, deep holes and it's always hard to get out of. So we'll see what happens. No, I get it. Again, I'm a Bucks fan. So until the last few years, I had a really rough uh rough time rooting on my team so i know what that's like but yeah everyone make sure you follow tim follow him on instagram as well at tim martin b-ball he does a fantastic job and uh yeah check out everything that he's doing if you want to hear more episodes of this podcast check us out on spotify apple podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and until next time thanks for tuning in